It's time for Defending the Faith with Pastor Kenny Word of Gospel Lighthouse Church in Bossier City. Defending the Faith uses foundational principles, fundamental teachings, and faithful preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ to influence the world and strengthen believers in their daily walk. And now, here's Pastor Kenny Word. Praise the Lord. Welcome to Defending the Faith. We're so glad that you joined us on today's program. Now, my name is Pastor Kenny Word. I'm the pastor of Gospel Lighthouse Church. Now, our church is down in South Bossier City, and we're a non-denominational congregation. If you don't have a church home, we would love to have you come visit us, come join us uh, for one of our upcoming services. We have Wednesday night services at 7 o'clock p.m., and then on Sundays, we have two services on the Lord's Day. At 1045 in the morning, we have our main service, and then we're a little bit old-fashioned. We have church at night. It's a 6 o'clock service, and honestly... It usually is the most powerful one. Uh, But if you don't have a church home, we want to make an invitation to you. We preach the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. We preach that there is hope for every soul and that God's desire is to reconcile you to Himself through the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you need a church home, come worship the Lord with us at Gospel Lighthouse Church. Now, as we get into this program, we pray that this message is a blessing to you. We pray that God would speak to you, that it would be anointed and minister to you. And if you have any questions, you can always email me at kjcword, that's kjcword, at gmail.com. You can email me anytime. And now let's go ahead and get on into the message. God bless you. In Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse number 13, we have um, a reference here um, to one of the culminations of the book of Matthew. What we see is the very first time the word church is in the Bible, um, is in this section of the Bible. Um, and it's, it's not very often that that word is used. And so uh, what we want to look at today is why we're here, what we're doing, and what our purpose is. Because how many of you know a lot of people think church is for donuts and coffee? Amen? Um, but that's not why we're here, and that's not why we do church. It's important to know why the church doors are open. It's important to know why we gather together. Sometimes, you know, if you're raised in church, you just go there when you feel bad. But, um, but the church exists to glorify God, to worship Jesus Christ, to celebrate his resurrection over death, his victory over hell and the grave. And, and then there's a purpose for us. So we're going to look at this this morning in, in, uh, in this section in verse number 13. It says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? You know, in, in Matthew 16, verse 13, this, when Jesus says this, he knows the answer. This is very much like whenever God asked Adam, Where art thou? Adam, where are you? God knew exactly where Adam was, but God was looking to see what Adam would say. So don't be confused. Jesus knows who he is. We know for a fact from age 12 he knew who he was. He said, don't you know I must be about my father's business? So we know at least by age 12 he knew he was the son of God. And he asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? A lot of people say Jesus is a lot of things. 
a good master, a good teacher, a good example, a great person, great philosopher, a prophet. Even Islam says that Jesus was a prophet. People that don't even believe in, in God say that he was a good man and a good teacher. But if he's not the son of God, we have no business being here today. If he did not raise from the dead, what are we here for? If he is not who he said he was, then all hope is lost. But because he is who he said he was, and God gave confirmation because he raised him from the dead, we know that he is truly the Son of God. But people say he's all kinds of things. This is the ultimate question. You can go to church all your life and skate by this truth. Nobody will know the difference. You can wear nice clothes, clap your hands, put money in the offering bucket, and nobody will ever know. But on the day of judgment, on the day that you depart this place, everything will hinge on who you say Jesus is. It will not matter whether you put $20 in an offering plate, but it will matter who you say Jesus is. And it won't matter what everybody else says. And it won't matter what they think about you. Because only you are going to stand before God. Only you are going to give an account for your life, whether you believed on Jesus or rejected him. That's just a little too far-fetched for me. That, you know, I, that's just a little bit too far out there. You're going to have to give an account for yourself if you deny it. Everything, eternity hinges on who you say Jesus is. As we get into this message, this is the formation of, of why the church exists, what our purpose is. How you know somebody is your brother or sister in the Lord, who do they say Jesus is? It doesn't matter what tribe or nationality, what color their hair, skin, or clothes are. If they name the name of Christ, if they believe on him, if they believe that he is God manifest in the flesh, if they believe that God raised him from the dead after three days, they confess him as Lord. They're your brother and sister. Amen. Who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they, they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist. At this time, you know, he had already been killed. You don't remember why? He was killed because he stood up to the king. Amen. The king was in an unlawful marriage. He married his brother's wife. It, it, it's like dating, but marriage, and God's against it. You can't just swap like that. And John the Baptist told King, he said, unscramble those eggs, you need to put her away, that's not your wife. And instead of doing that, he, they chopped his head off. How many of you know John the Baptist got a greater reward when he exited this life? Being faithful to God and faithful to God's word, not compromising one bit. If the church has a problem today, it's because we're compromised. It's because we don't have any salt or light in the house of God anymore. We got neon lights, spotlights, but we don't have God's light. And once the church gets God's light again, people's lives change. We don't like that because we like to be comfortable 
in our compromise. Don't push me too far. The Bible says that God is a consuming fire. You get close to God, he's going to burn some stuff out of your life. The closer you press into God, the more he's going to challenge you and push you. But if you want God, he's worth it. How many people turn their back on believers? I have great friends that I used to have before I got saved. Afterwards, that won't even answer my phone call. What did I do? I'm a new person, right? Sometimes as you go closer to God, God will, uh, he will shine his light on things in your life and tell you that that's pulling you away from him. You're going to have to make a choice. You're going to get closer to God. You're going to go far away. You can't stay in the middle. There's one thing about God. When, everybody, when anybody gets around God, they have one of two reactions. They don't stay the same. You, you can listen to, to anything or do anything and not be changed. But if you get around God, you're going to change for the better or for the worse. You're going to get cold-hearted or you're going to melt. You're going to have a, a, a wall build up, and every time you get there, you're going to be just like Pharaoh and let that hard heart get, get that wall just a little bit taller. Push God away. God doesn't force himself on you. He invites you to freedom. He invites you to experience a new life, a new hope. He invites you to loose the bands of bondage. But he doesn't force it on you. He says, if you want it, come. You want to be set free? Come. Whosoever will, let him come. That's how Jesus ends the Bible. But the choice is ours. But it is one thing that you will always see. Whenever somebody gets around God, they are never the same. Amen. Let me ask you a question. How come people can get around church, church folks, and not change? Hmm. See, people should either be growing closer to God or farther away the more that you become like Christ. The more that God's light is shining through you, it should be shining into other people's lives. See, we're not just shining a light so we can be a light bulb and just look how pretty my light bulb is. The light of God should be shining through you and touching other people's lives, encouraging them to come to Jesus, encouraging them to find forgiveness at the feet of Jesus, encouraging them to be made whole again. But as that light shines through you, some people will build a wall higher. So Jesus asked, who do men say that I am? They said, John the Baptist, some Elias, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. See, the, the, the Pharisees, they had a, uh, they had a saying in, the, in their rabbinical tradition. They didn't believe, the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. They were sad, you see. But they believed that the spirit of the prophets would leave a body when it died and go to another one. It's kind of like Hinduism, reincarnation. Who do men say that? Well, some say, you know, it's, an, it's the spirit of Elijah, it's the spirit of Jeremiah, or, it's, you know, just one of those prophets. Some got in you. 
We see you're a little bit strange. Something got in you. And Jesus said, yeah, yeah, that's, I know that's what they say. You know what? That's still what people say today. He was a good guy. He was a prophet, good teacher. You want to live a good life? You can model your life after him. That's not the gospel. The gospel isn't model your life after him. The gospel is die to yourself. Go to the cross. Believe on Christ, and he will raise you up a new person. You will be born again. The Spirit of God living inside you. That's the gospel. That's the power of a resurrected life flowing through you till the day you go home to be with him. So naturally, Jesus says in verse 15, He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? This question right here, as I said earlier, hinges your eternity. It doesn't matter if you belong to a Presbyterian, Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, Church of Christ. It doesn't matter what church you belong to, what card you got in your pocket. It matters what comes out of your heart and out of your mouth. Who do you say that Jesus is? Who is he to you? Who is he to you? Verse number 16, Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, at other parts in the Bible, Jesus, they attempted to kill because he made himself equal with God, claiming to be the Son of God. So this is not a light phrase. This is, in fact, a declaration of his deity. That's a, that's a $2 word. This is a declaration that he's God and a declaration that you're not. Contrary to some modern gospels, you're not little gods. There's only one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. He said, I am the Lord your God. Beside me there is none other. There is only one God. He's revealed, he's manifest in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So this is not a light phrase. He's declaring that he is, in fact, God of very God. When he says that he's the Son of the living God, he means Jesus always existed and never had a beginning. You hear that? He's declaring that Jesus always existed, never had a beginning, and will never have an end. That he is above us, beyond us, but he came to us. In verse number 17 and 18, we're going to camp here for a minute. This, I really want you to get these two verses. There is so much truth packed into this. That God is wanting to, to reveal to you right now. Watch this. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven. First, understand 
that it is only by the revelation of the Spirit of God that you can call Jesus God. If you only approach the Bible in an unsaved manner and look at it as a scientific book, it will profit you nothing. It is a spiritual book, it says, and it is spiritually discerned. A lot of times people say, I can't understand that Bible. Then they get saved and they say, I get it now. Now I'm starting to get it. I may not know it all, but I'm starting to understand it now. You see, before a person is born again, they're not going to understand God. God never told you to understand Him and then believe on Him. The command is to believe on Him, to trust. And if you'll trust, that's where faith kicks in. You trust God. You're never going to understand all that God is and all that He's done and all that He's going to do. You will not exhaust God and you will not exhaust His Word. I know believers that have been saved longer than I've been alive that read the Bible about five times a year whole, which most people never read it in their lifetime whole, and they still have not exhausted the Word of God. Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, even in his late years of life, he said, that book still gets me. God is inexhaustible. People say, well, I'm not coming to God until he, he tells me why this happened and that happened, and I want to know why this, and I want to know why that. God doesn't have to tell you nothing. God told you to believe on Jesus for the remission of your sins, to be born again. And if you'll believe on God, God will change your life. God may give you some understanding along the way because he's merciful, and he's good, and when you're ready, he may give you some understanding. But first, the call is to believe. The first call is to believe. If, you're, if you will do that, God will do great things in your life. If not, it's not a step of faith. A step of faith is you don't know where your foot's going to hit, but you're just trusting God. Faith. All right. Flesh and blood has not revealed it to you. That just simply means not only did it wasn't that, that, that Simon Barjona, Peter, it wasn't that he learned it in Sunday school. It wasn't that a preacher told him. It wasn't that his father told him. It was that nobody on earth had revealed it to him. See, what it means is somebody can tell you something, but until God reveals it to you, it's like a foreign language. You can grow up in church hearing the truth, but until God opens your ears and your heart, it's a different language. It takes revelation. It takes revelation. Revelation is how God operates. He reveals things to his people. Right? Let me show you this. Turn over to John chapter 6, verse 44. John chapter 6, verse 44. You Keep your finger where we are, though. Don't want you to get lost there. John chapter 6 and verse number 44. See, it takes God opening somebody's heart, their eyes, dealing with their heart. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is why somebody 
It's, it's not that you just raise somebody in church and they get to go to heaven. They need to believe on Jesus themselves, right? It takes a personal encounter with God, a personal revelation from God. And when you'll trust God, God will do this. Look at verse 44. No man can come to me. Jesus is talking here, right? I'll just go to Jesus when I want to go. I'll go on my deathbed. I'll, get, I'll live how I want to live, and I'll, I'll get right before I die. Presumptuous and foolish. Jesus here clearly says, No man come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. How does God draw a person? God draws a person by breaking their heart. Letting them realize that they need saved. He tells somebody all day long, you need to get saved, you need to get saved, you need to get saved. But if they don't know that they're lost, they don't know that they need to get saved. Saved from what? Crazy churchianity talk. But until the Spirit of God, that same Spirit that hovered over the dark deep in Genesis 1, when that same Spirit of God hovers over their heart and convinces them that they are a sinner, and if they die in their sins, they will spend eternity in the lake of fire. Once God reveals to them their need for a Savior, God will draw them to the cross. And if God draw you to a cross, it don't matter if you're in a church that don't allow altar calls, don't allow clapping, don't allow excitement, you're going to get excited. You're going to jump for joy. You're going to praise God out of your lips. I grew up in a church where if you were chewing gum, you would get stared at by about three different ladies. And if you happen to make the chair squeak, That's why I walk with a limp to this day. <laughs> but even if you're in an environment like that, where it's that much, you know, churchy, stuffy, if God draw you, you will press through the crowd like the woman with the issue of blood. You will not care what they say, what they think, or what they do, because you're going to Jesus. He's calling. He's drawing. And in the Bible, he said that if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. He was lifted up. That's the drawing. The cross. It's not to wear around your neck. You could. But the cross draws you. Do a right relationship with God to save your soul. To save you from an eternity in the lake of fire which we all deserve. Well, I didn't do anything that bad. You don't know how bad you are. God is holy and you're not. Well, it was only one sin, two sins, three sins. You just don't understand how holy God is. God is so holy, you can't spend eternity with him unless you're a new creature. Unless your sins have been forgiven. That's how holy he is. And if a man die in his sins, he will perish in hellfire for eternity. 
It's Revelation chapter 20. Lake of fire. It's eternal. It's where the devil goes. The Antichrist goes. Death goes. Hell goes in it. And all those people that think they know better than God go in it. Turn with me back to Matthew chapter 16. Flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Notice that Jesus didn't say our Father. He said my Father. He's the Son of God. Verse number 18. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now let's look at this verse briefly. Everybody probably has heard this about Peter and his name. But the name Peter and the word rock has the same root word, Petra. Jesus changed his name here. He was a pebble and he became a rock. That's probably a story of your life too. I know before I was born again, I was a pretty flaky individual. I might still be a little flaky, but I'm less flaky. I'm teasing. But God changes, folks, and God changed Peter upon the confession of this revelation of who Jesus is. He changed him, and he signified that he recognized the change by changing his name. But that's not the best part of this verse. That's just a little, they call them nuggets. I don't like those, but that's just a, 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 a thing on the side. Watch this. Upon this rock, I will build my church. Upon what rock? What's been revealed to Peter? What has been revealed to Peter is that Jesus is the Son of God. And on that rock, on that revelation of who Jesus is, Jesus calls this a rock. And on that rock, he said, I will build, listen to this, my church. You're not your church. I travel sometimes. I saw a church that said they, their, their name was called People's Church. I said, you, you, I'm from Texas. I said, you ain't People's Church. You're Christ's church. If you're a member of the body of Christ, you belong to him. It says in Ephesians that he's the husband. You're the bride. He's the head, it says in Corinthians. And we're the body. We're the church of the firstborn. We belong to that son of God who came out of that tomb 2,000 years ago. We belong to him. This is not my church, your church, their church, or anybody else's church. It's his church. Amen. I believe as we get closer to the end, denominational lines are going to go down. I believe the closer we get to the end, we're going to see a great falling away, and we're going to see Christ's church begin to lock arms across 
denominational lines. He didn't say, you're my Baptist, you're my Methodist, you're my Catholic, you're my Church of Christ, you're my this. He said, you're my church because it was revealed to you who I am. And I believe when the church exits, it's going to be like a funnel and we're all going to be on the same page again. We're going to get back to the simplicity of the faith. Who do you say Jesus is? Praise the Lord. Thank you for joining us today on Defending the Faith. I'm Pastor Kenny Word. I'm the pastor over at Gospel Lighthouse Church. And we want you to know that we would love for you to come visit us. Our address is 4350 Panther Drive in Bossier City. We're a non-denominational congregation. Listen, we meet on Sundays at 1045 in the morning. And then we also have Sunday night services at 6 p.m. Then you can find us on Wednesdays. We have a Bible study at 7 p.m. But we hope to see you at one of our upcoming services. And we're so thankful that you joined us on the radio today. If you have any questions about the program today or a past episode, you can email me. I'm Pastor Kenny at kjcword at gmail.com. That's kjcword at gmail.com. Until we see you again, may God richly bless you. You have been listening to Defending the Faith with Pastor Kenny Word of Gospel Lighthouse Church in Bossier City. Defending the Faith uses foundational principles, fundamental teachings, and faithful preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ to influence the world and strengthen believers in their daily walk. Gospel Lighthouse Church is located at 4350 Panther Drive in Bossier City. Go to churchlighthouse.com for more information. And please tune in again next time for Defending the Faith.